got Solo, come on in. Get yourself a fucking <laughs> drink, I suppose. Because it's a bad week to be a Wudu's fan, I would say. I would say, I would say, other times I think we've come on here and we've been like, I think right before Charlie got fired was bad. I think this is a different, I think this is a different depth that this team is sinking to. Uh, it, currently in the middle of uh, losing to the Baltimore Orioles. Whether they do or not, I said to Jake a minute ago, almost irrelevant, I think, to how the tone of the podcast is going to go. You, you could sort of think you win today's game in the most convincing fashion. Like, the last three innings, like, score 20 runs. Now uh, you hear me trying to, like, <laughs> <laughs> trying to... Uh, desperate. I'm, de I'm desperate this episode. I, I, talked to, I told you about how we wanted to do this. Um, it's just get everything out. We're just going to get everything out because... Uh, not fun to watch the Blue Jays play baseball lately. No, I, uh, before tonight's game, I was, we, we talked this afternoon. Uh, we were having a little text chat about some of our thoughts. And I feel like this afternoon I was still sort of swaying in the, you know, obviously it's not good right now, but it's still okay. Yes. Like, there's still... In a playoff spot, things are fine. Uh, I am no longer in that mindset. It changes uh, quick. It changes real quick. It, it's really easy to go from there's some issues, or they're in a slump, or whatever. It's really easy to go from that to, oh, there are like fundamental problems with this team. Yeah. So, so blanket statement. Before we get into the, we have a lot of specifics to drill down into. I sort of said to you, um, I think how I want to approach this is it, almost like like a fight in a relationship a little bit with something you, somebody you care about, and um, not even maybe not, not even a fight. I guess maybe it is a fight. But you sort of you end up saying very serious things in the throes of all that passion coming out. Maybe the argument is about something small, but then um, when you're talking openly in that forum, other things can come up. Uh, I think overall. Before we dive into it, I do want to say my heart of heart feeling is similar to what you just said. I do feel like they're going to be okay when the dust settles. I feel like this is a particularly low point. I feel like they are a well-built team that there's no reason to believe that this lull in April, in August is going to cost them. Uh, oh. Maybe my ceiling is a, is a little lowered, but I do believe overall they're going to get out of it. That being said. Oh, wow. Okay. I do believe overall, right? I, I believe sort of two things. I believe that they're they're they are good, and I also believe that like really unfair sport that is heartbreaking, and sometimes it doesn't go your way, and sometimes you look at it on paper and it just doesn't work. Um, that happens, but I believe that they will pull out of it. At the same time, I you have to admit um, that there obviously there are problems, there are holes. We're going to talk about the problems and the issues. But also, sort of, this is what it is, right? The, the lineup is what it is. The guys are the guys are who they are. They're gonna have streaks like they did at the end of May, early June, where they look like the best team to have ever been assembled, and and that the projections at the beginning of the season said they were. That, that's it, it happens, and uh, you go cold. <laughs> it's been a really bad time, but I think they will pull out of it. That being said, I got a lot of problems with this fucking guys, and I they're extremely frustrating to watch right now i'll tell you that much and you, you hold down you hold you hold down these takes these timeline takes that you just like i don't you don't want to spend your day arguing in the timeline you don't want to spend your day arguing in mentions people pulling up stats and things just things that you feel in your gut when you're watching the game and uh we have a bunch i yeah. certainly have a bunch i um 
I don't know if I fully agree with you on all that. Sure. The one thing I do agree with you on, uh, and as a plea, I would say, to uh, Blue Jays Twitter, to please calm the fuck down. See now, here's the thing. Stop. No, it's okay. I am perfectly okay with people being like the team is bad and I'm upset about it. Okay. That's fine. But like, be nicer to each other when someone says the team is bad. Sure. You're allowed to say the team is bad when they're playing bad. That's okay to do. Yeah. I sort of uh, I'm interested that you went that way. Good to go. Good. To, good. <laughs> um, so I was sort of saying like I was going to sort of also say like. You can sort of let people. People seem to people seem to not want to let people be upset by this run. There's which a I thing. Totally, there's which a I totally thing that get. I've noticed uh, in the last. I'm sure it's been around for a while, and I haven't been paying attention. But I've noticed in the last few months, uh, it especially came up uh, in Blue Jays fandom uh, around the deadline, and in Raptors mm. fandom around Kevin Durant, where there seems to be this belief in. Definitely not in Leafs fandom, because we know we're trash. Um, <laughs> like, Le- Leafs fans are too broken at this point. Maybe there is something admirable in that. I think there is, because there's a belief amongst a good section of Blue Jays fandom and a large section of Raptors fandom that the teams are somehow special and that our guys are more special. Like, the notion that we can't, can't possibly trade Gabriel Moreno for Juan Soto. Or well, you, the Soto Soto one was a dream. They, yeah, they, but I'm just they, they but couldn't match that. Bike. I'm speaking in hyperbole as examples. Sure. Or like Christian Coloco is going to be a star, right? And and maybe, but like the NBA is still the NBA. You still need a superstar to win a title. The current yeah. Raptors team is not winning a title. The current Blue Jays team is not winning a World Series. Mm. And although a lot more likely, I think, for the Blue Jays and the Raptors. But my point is. The team isn't special, and you're not saying anything wrong by saying, "Hey, this team I like that's playing like shit is playing like shit." Right. I, I think the I think the tendency and the the desire to um, be right at the end of the day leads to things like I, what I said earlier. Right. It's sort of like I trust the project. I trust the projections. You trust national media. All these people. You know, it, it wasn't just Jays fans that were like, "The Jays are going to be amazing this year." It was. Every place you check that that it specializes in what stats are going to be, uh, every sort of big, you know, name national columnist in the United States are picking them to be, uh, you know, obvious playoff threats. And, and it, you know, it wasn't just, I want to say, manufactured from Blue Jays fans. But um, I also firmly believe that, like, if you're just a fan of the team, you have no reason to expi- to aspire to be the most level-headed fan of the team. You, like, that's not doesn't have to be your goal. If yeah. Your goal is to cover the team professionally. Then yeah, you should be able to maintain a, a a bigger view of what's going on and sort of act as a service to the fan base. But if you're in the fan base, um, for me, for me, there's nothing wrong with flipping out at a time like this and like uh, saying crazy things that that you almost put out there in hopes of uh, having it rubbed in your face later. Yeah. So on that note, I have an idea of how we can sort of structure our uh, rage today. I like that. A little bit. Important uh, to do. And we are all about structure here. Of course. Uh, I think we should play a game uh, that I'm going to call Which Member of the Blue Jays Organization Are You Maddest At? <laughs> and we can rank them. And, or we can just go through them one at a time. And you can just say who 
your Mattistat and why, and that can lead our discussions through this hell pit that has been August 2020 of the Blue Jays season. Interesting. Very interesting. Very interesting. I'm very interested to see um, where this goes. Where this goes? Where you, I'm interested to see what your picks are. Um, Mattistat is an interesting. It's an interesting way to phrase it. I feel like that's better for exactly what you're saying about how it's okay to sort of be mad about it because you know if we're going to get into a convert, there's nothing to be gained by getting into a conversation of being like, oh, so and so player is bad, right? Because that's a pointless argument. But they are infuriating. Okay, so in the spirit of the game, I have a bigger conversation that I want to have, but I'll shelve it for a minute. In the spirit of the game, uh, I'm going to dig a little deeper into something that I said on Twitter, which I hate saying on a podcast. I <laughs> said this on Twitter. Uh, the Zoobs, no underscore. Um, is I have inherited from my late father now, I have inherited, um, not inher- maybe not inherited even, but like, he was an outlet for a lot of like, you know, things I would never tweet uh, in the, in the circle of people that I am texting about the Blue Jays on a, on a semi-regular basis, right? And you understand what those texts are like when you're texting somebody that is not putting it public. You just sort of like are allowed to go to 15 and even let your friend argue you back to 10 in terms of how off the chain <laughs> uh, you're sort of going. And I inherit sort of his innate reactions to things that I know would be just sort of knowing the kind of uh, baseball that he appreciated. Uh, I've inherited his complete lack of patience for Boba shit. And uh, I know it's crazy radio caller to be doing the like you text Blake to be like, they got to trade for shit. Right. <laughs> I, and I'm saying this with full throated, like there's nothing I would love more um, than to, it to be the proven like I have a feeling that Bo in in a big game would show up. I sort of have that feeling about him. I know is is um, hard to describe and hard to nail down and hard to show in stats. I do believe that about him, um, but on a day to day basis, uh, he upsets me a lot of the time. And I know that when he uh, jumps on um, you know an O O fastball or the pitcher makes a mistake O two, and he he does a lot of damage with those. But um, it's been interesting to see. I guess under John Schneider, but interesting to see in the last little bit. Dropped down to seventh tonight. Um, sat, they sat him the other game, and I know that you are doing the like Bo and Vlad play 162 if they, you know, they get like one or two days off a year. Um, didn't I know it wasn't made anything, and it was sort of they were like, yeah, it's just a maintenance day. Whatever guys get days off. I didn't read it that way. I know that it didn't seem to be put out that way. But he also like starts being dropped down in the lineup. You saw some shaky defense this week. Um, and here's the thing. Here's the reason why I'm zeroed in on Boba Shit. And it, fair or not fair. Um, I think we sort of came up on this at the deadline. I think it's sort of a good example of the beginning of this. The Jays are past the point of, like, just get more guys, basically, in terms of hitting. Yes. Right? It's not as easy to just say, oh, they should go get a guy to do this. Like, other than second base, which, I, like, you know, they're patching it together with, with decent results. They had an all-star this year, as silly as that all-star may be, like... You know, Espinal plays good defense, and with Merrifield in there, like, the second base is not this, like, rich playground of great players. Bo's, his offense is obviously very important to this team. And, you know, you're sort of asking yourself, has we already seen the best Bo Bichette year offensively? Um, Is he going to get better defensively at shortstop? You don't know. Uh, And it's such an important position, shortstop. 
Um, but man, if you move to second base and you get and you have a shortstop, then maybe you're thinking, now we really have something here. But they're they sort of you're sort of limited into like how many easy moves are left. Like getting Matt Chapman was sort of the last one where it's like. You can, oh, you go out, and I, like, you know, the corner outfield, it's hard to just go out and get a better right fielder than Teoscar Hernandez. It's hard to go out and get a better hitter than Lourdes Gurriel. It, it's it's hard to replace basically anybody in this lineup. Uh, the catchers basically couldn't be better. We talked about, they've been struggling lately, but overall, you know, they're up there in the top. It, you're, you're past the point of, like, go out and get a guy. Now it's like Springer has to stay healthy, and then everything else needs to be optimized. And I think, I'm starting to think, I'm starting to believe, hell, I'll say it. Part of that optimization is moving on from Bobochet. And uh, this is colored by the fact that he does a lot of things that upset me all the time. <laughs> what else <laughs> can I say? Sometimes he makes terrible decisions at shortstop. Sometimes uh, his at-bats are, are a complete waste of time. Um, approaches nothing sometimes. And listen, and listen he's, it, it, because he's absolutely sweating out talent of every pore is the reason he's able to play this way and be a, a, a good very good major leaguer, a deserving all-star last year. Um, it's not that I don't think he's a good player. I think that you're sort of getting into territory now with where the team construction is, that it's going to be hard to make big upgrades. And Boba Shed is a way to make big upgrades right now. So, here's the thing. I don't disagree with your points, not as Rufus. Rufus uh, gets a lot of airtime in the show. He does get a lot of airtime in the show. It's because we record around his dinner time. I'll feed mm. him at the break. Um, uh, yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said, especially the part about the ability to upgrade right. hinging on moving on from Bo. I think that is probably true. You have to, at, to your point, to be the big, big contender. You have to make those tough, tough trades. Uh, you know, I'll bring it back to the Raptors again. They had to trade literally DeMar DeRozan to get to the point where they could win a title. That's like your all-time guy. And they had to deal him to win it all. Different sport, I know. But point remains, a tough move. You have to upgrade on the rough stuff. Right. However... A thing I didn't know till you started speaking when I decided to look it up. Oh boy. In the last 28 days, which would encapsulate this entire losing streak, Bo Bichette is the fourth best hitter on the team. You have Matt Chapman with an OPS over 1,000. Vlad's at 975. Teoscar's at 902. And then Bo's at 834. That seems impossible to me <laughs> from watching the games. He had a two home run. He had a two home run day. Yep. There's more to the game. There's more to the game than the OPS, though. There is, and, and like defensively, he's a nightmare, yeah. unquestionably. And the the timing of those at bats sometimes. Uh, and listen, I know you're going to enter foggy territory, but but also like, like fourth best hitter is, you know, a lot of guys can be the fourth best hitter. It's not a. It's not. You know what I mean? He's not. Oh, I also read it wrong. That was I guess a he's running. Keeping pace. His eight eight thirty four is the last fourteen days. I'm sorry. He's still the he's still the fourth best hitter in the last twenty eight days. Though it's just at seven eighty seven. But yeah. he the thing with Bo that I think it makes it tough to 
not sort of put him first on the madness scale <laughs> is and like I know this sounds very I'm talking I'm calling Blake as well of course but his approach and the way he swings the bat the way he plays defense it's not it's not really it's it's easy to look at and be like well I understand why that doesn't work right. and especially when he does that and then goes through huge slumps yeah. and does seemingly nothing to adjust. Listen, and, and and again, the answer to like, how can he have all of these red flags and still succeed? It's like, it's immense talent. Yeah, I'm not, absolutely. I'm not denying, I'm not denying that, that, that his ability to produce in spite of those things is because he is remarkably talented. To answer your question though, as to have we seen the best Beau Bichette now? I am going to say the answer is yes. And I also think he is young enough, and as you say, has the immense talent enough to be an extremely valuable trade chip. And if you're looking to optimize a roster and get it to, you know, World Series winning levels, he has the value that allows you to do so. And it's a tough upgrade, obviously, optically and from a marketing perspective, which I know is not how you look at baseball teams, but does matter. Popular kid. Everybody loves him. Very talented. He's like, he's one of the market. He's like one of the main marketable guys. And this front office particularly doesn't like to move on from guys they've invested in, so to speak. Not just from a marketing angle, but just dollar wise, team wise, and I'm sure. I assume he's a popular guy in the clubhouse, uh, although he doesn't seem to have the jovial spirit as some of the other ones, which I'll also get into later. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think I think it's also hard not to be mad at him just because going into the season and looking at the offense they had going in and what we thought was going to be this lineup of doom and what we saw last year was a lineup of doom. You take his peg out of that tower and it crumbles really fast. Because, you know, we're getting, we were getting larger than life, larger than expectations, um, <laughs> uh, production from Santee. Right. We were getting larger than expectations production from Kirk. We were getting sure. it from Jansen. We were getting it from Zach Collins for a while. And, you know, we've talked a lot about how you can survive a couple guys on the team that play good defense and don't hit that well and be fine. As we always say, the 2015 team had Pilar and Goins for 140 plus. Right. But when Espinal sort of comes back to earth, when Kirk comes back to earth, when Jansen comes back to earth, you need the good guys to still be good. Right. Because you can survive the Pilars and the Goinses. You can't survive when your supposedly third best guy is suddenly hitting seventh. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. It's been interesting, interesting to watch sort of the Bobichet thing unfold. Obviously, um, you know, OBP of th- at three hundred, uh, just like he really not drawing walks at all. Really, obviously, again, and I'm wary of like telling a fish not to swim here and telling a bird not to fly. I'm totally wary of that. I totally understand 
Um, but it's hard to also look at, you know, Teoscar Hernandez had to make changes, small changes, but he had to make enough changes that he could still be the player that he is um, while improving his overall approach. Lourdes Gurriel he's seen this year, um, not hitting for nearly as much power, but like he's just picking up hits all over the place. So really, you know, especially with uh, runners on, especially in, in important situations, sort of, uh, you know, really being an impressive uh, all around hitter. Um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has had has had his had his slumps come and go, and like when he's locked in and makes the adjustments, unbelievable. You've sort of seen everyone else do it for a stretch this year. He he hasn't really had his stretch. Um, it's been it's been very interesting in the end to see the conversation change. So I I put Obuchet number one uh, on my list just just in in honor of uh, getting a player one off the page because you don't want to talk too much about management. Jake, who do you have number one on your list for? Uh, before I get to number one, I'm just going to feed this cat so he doesn't fucking yell through the whole thing. Hold on. Makes perfect sense. So... My number one was also going to be Bo, but we've done that already. So I'll move on to my second number one. Mm -hmm. And this one pains me, but it's hard to have anyone else there other than Jose Barrios. Okay. Interesting. I don't know. I mean, listen, ag before you even get on, agonizing. Every start. Every start is agonizing. For every Any hit he gives up, you're just like, fuck this, and here it comes. And uh, far and away the worst pitcher in the American League as a starter this year. Go on. The thing that I find so, I don't want to say infuriating, because it's not, agonizing is a much, much better term. Is it's just, you know, it's not like, a Yusei Kikuchi, who I'm sure we will talk about soon. But, you know, you look at Kikuchi's resume, and he's never put up numbers consistently over a full season where you're like, yeah, that's the guy. Like, he's, he's just never been that guy. But Barrios has been remarkably consistent over his career. Every year, just like salt, nothing, you know, He's never winning winning the Cy Young, but he's a two-time All-Star. Finished in the top 10 in Cy Young voting in 2021. And you just look at his numbers, and they're pretty consistent across the board. And then there's this year. And it's baffling. And that, to me, makes it so much more frustrating than just, like, an okay pitcher not pitching very well. Hmm. Because, like, I don't think, or didn't think, I suppose, that it was crazy for the Jays to give him that extension and that money when they did. Well, what do we know? All, all he, he's 27 years old. All he had done is, all he had done is pitch well. Exactly. And so the expectation of him coming into the year was like, there was, it's just so blindsiding. And, like, perhaps we should have seen it on, you know, opening day when he got shelled. Yeah. But... You know, I, I kind of look at that now, obviously, with the benefit of hindsight, it's very much a, oh, Josh Jonathan's, Donaldson's arm is actually fine situation right. right? on opening day. But, like, it's just so 
odd. And like, you know, good athletes suddenly aren't good anymore all the time. Yeah. But as you say, he's 27 or 28. He has only ever been good to excellent. And, you know, I know there was a lot of argument when they gave him the money of like, oh, well, he's only a number two guy. And like, man, how much would we need a number two guy right now? Right. And yeah, it's just, you know, we're not bringing management into things right now. And that's okay. I'm sure we'll get to it. (laughs) But like you said to me this afternoon how they just don't seem to be able to pay pitchers well. Well, yeah, this is, uh, yeah. And, like, he's unfortunate, even though I agreed with the move at the time, unfortunately, Jose Barrios is, without something turning around very fast, he's going to be the poster child of that idea. So, yes. um, Yeah, not great. Jose Barrios is not not great television right now. Um, To sort of... Well, I'll get into it in a, in a minute, but yeah, no, listen, brutal, absolutely brutal. Um, the worst, again, worst pitcher in the New York League by by a, a wide margin by ERA. Um, completely a disaster to 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 look at right now and realize he he has seven years, uh, one hundred thirty one million, <laughs> <laughs> just getting started with with Jose Barrios. Just like this is the beginning. Um, hopefully, again, you point to the consistency. Hopefully you can figure it out, but you know, baseball's baseball's a cruel sport. You wouldn't be the first person to have this to have this happen. Uh, yeah, Barrios is tough. Barrios is tough. I think Barrios. Listen, it brings me to number two. Um, and I, I don't know that it's a mad. I don't know that I'm mad, but I think what we are witnessing here, um, what we're witnessing here, is like a real shift in the way that I think we're about to start talking about. Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro. Yes, because listen, the knock was the knock was that, that they aren't they aren't trying to win, and the knock was um, they're not going to spend the money, and the knock was no one wants to play here, right? That was the, that was sort of the that was sort of the knock. So it was like, well, you know, these guys love to keep their prospects; they won't ever go all in. Um, you know, they're cheap. They're you know, it's all of the, they got rid of all that stuff. It's, it's not about willingness anymore. We're no longer talking. They spent every offseason. They gave uh, what uh, eighty million to Ryu. They gave one hundred and fifty million to Springer. They gave one hundred and ten million to Gosman. Uh, they gave they gave what did I just say? One hundred and thirty-one million to Barrios. Shot up to the top of the market. Offseason after offseason, spent buckets of money. Now the conversation changes into: Did they make the right moves with those with those decisions? Is one thing we, we, we you know we, I think I'm still on board with. Obviously, Ryu, George Springer, to me, is the guy that makes the whole thing work. Uh, certainly was back behind them all at the time. But if it doesn't work out, unfortunately, they're going to be judged as if they couldn't spend the money properly. It, I'm terrified about the George Springer contract currently. Not just the contract, but like, man, he, he's so good. And it's so important. And it's so great to watch when he is on in, in the lineup. And when he is not, it is brutal and his his status the way that his status has lingered over the last 20 
plus days of this season, uh, I think it's had an effect. I think I think not knowing and then sort of him grimacing and and you know the the A lineup of the Toronto Blue Jays does not have George Springer DHing. It's just not absolutely. It's just not, so I guess I guess my answer is Springer. <laughs> I'm not mad at him, <laughs> but I'm terrified here. Uh, truly, for me, this whole thing is about Springer, and we can talk. You know, I know I made it just. Wait, maybe what I thought was a smart point about the front office, but truly, I got to talk about Springer here. Um, driving me no. insane. Springer driving no, me I th- insane. I think it's fair, and I think you have to look at how his injuries the last two years have been handled as well. Sure. I, like, I don't know. I don't know. Genuinely, I don't know who to direct that at. I don't well, know if that's yeah. the coaching staff, or if that's the front office, or if that's the medical staff, or if it's Springer himself. Yeah, I guess I, I, this is sort of my point. Is like it's easy, not my point, but like it's easy to be like, oh man, they should have brought in a center fielder. It's like they should have brought in a center fielder to play a hundred games a year. That, right? No, no, they shouldn't have. Right? Like, right? That's insanity. If that, that's what you're doing, then then you shouldn't have signed Springer. If you if you're two years later, like we got to sign a center fielder for a hundred games a year, you didn't make the right call in bringing Springer in. Yeah, and I agree with that. And I also think that we've just seen it twice. In the, I just can't believe it happened. You know, a second year in a row. Well, you know, <laughs> he's a he's a thirty two year old center fielder who plays at one hundred percent the whole way. Six foot three, two twenty, big guy. You know, uh, he plays all out. That's what makes him valuable. Um, but that's getting up there for a center field. Listen, if the plan was to move into the corner outfield all along, so be it. Uh, that time has come, and you're gonna have to figure out center field then. Yeah, and I just think, but like he's tough got questions, man. It is t- they are tough questions, but to your point that you made earlier about Bo and moving on from Bo, maybe bringing in a center field to play 100 games and letting him DH lot. It, I don't know if that is crazy, but like uh, I, I know well, how it looks contract wise. No, sure, no. yeah, but, not even that, but like go and trade for a great center fielder is like which, which team has pulled that off? Yeah, fair point, fair. Which which team with a great center fielder is like, yeah, we're looking to trade this guy. It doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's more. And I think that it's. Signing Springer was supposed to be that. That's this is what's so this yeah. is what's so fucking frustrating. <laughs> Springer is the I'll, everyday center fielder leadoff hitter that fucking hits that like it's he's there. It's just I'm worried, man. I I it's you've been worried. I'm I'm more worried than I am mad. I am worried about this house of cards here. I think that's fair. And I think that, you know, just to bring it back to the front office very briefly before we move on, I think that to your point of bringing in what makes me upset about it in relation to that is not they should go out and find a center fielder to play 100 games. But it does make me mad that the day after the trade deadline, Ugh. he went on the 10-day IL. <laughs> what are we doing? The team must have known that was coming. If they don't, it's gross incompetence. Well, maybe it's a little bit of like, if you put Springer on the IL, a team asks you a little, comes, you know, the center fielder costs, like with, with sure. Maryfield costs a little bit more if, if okay. he's on the IL. Fine. But then if you are trying to be a World Series team and your solution to we're losing our star center field for 10 days is Whit Maryfield, that's a problem. Well, that's that's the that's the backup center fielder market. Like you gotta I don't know pay who the, you got, people you gotta want. pay the cost. I don't know who people want to be the backup center. Rymel Tapia and Bradley Zimmer is the kind of guy that that you get. You you probably aren't going to get a better kind of guy than Bradley Zimmer for free. Like a guy who can at least. I'm, do I'm, I'm saying it's not. For, I'm saying it's not for free. Is my point. For sure, for sure, and it's going to cost. Anyway, I'm fired up. The Springer stuff. 
It sucks. It sucks. No. He's the number one problem for me. He's because he's the solution. And that's sort of why I get so upset. He's just. It's so important to have him at the top of the lineup and not DHing. Uh, I can't even say like you can't with the way that things are working and the way that this this lineup should like has any chance to be a good lineup. He can't be DHing. No, I agree. Well, it's just giving another to your point about that backup center fielder slot. It's just giving that lineup spot there. Although that being said, the guys would be hitting there otherwise are also playing like shit. So yeah, fair enough. You know, not that what is the answer or anything, but. In the last 28 days, Danny Jansen's OPS in 494. Yeah, the whole catcher, the whole the whole we have three great catchers thing. Sort of the All Star game was was bad. All that many players being All Stars was bad. Was a bad scene. I agree. Uh, also hard to look at. I know. Again, this is huge. What if and like not a thing. And I know it's not a thing, but I'm mad about it because I'm an irrational baseball fan, and this is frustrating. You're allowed to. But like. All those reports about them saying no to big trades involving Kirk drives me fucking crazy. Well. I don't know how true it was. I don't know who it was for. I don't know if it actually stalled anything uh, or or actually uh, made it so deals couldn't happen. Like, those deals would have materialized anyway. But, like, you're going to look at the hot... A guy whose value will never be higher, who is a catcher. And be like, he'll be this good forever. That's insane. Yeah, but he certainly has helped this year. Like, Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then t- 16 days ago was a good time to cash in on that. Well, uh, any, any, I hesitate to give the thumbs up. I know this is hindsight and like nonsense. No, to, and to any deadline move that takes a player off the 26-man roster other than the very bottom guys, it like just does, I just don't see it happening in season with a team that's trying to get Yeah, him. maybe. I don't know. Kirk is an offseason move. I'd be surprised. Listen, I'm, I'll throw a random well here. I, I, I'd be sort of surprised if Kirk was in the 2023 starting opening day lineup. That's interesting. That's a, that's a seed I'm going to plant. Interesting. I guess that probably depends what happens with Marino as well. Because listen, if you were going to say, hey, we're going to take the year off of, we're not going to trade Alejandro Kirk this year. Sorry, you guys had your chance. It worked out pretty well. Yeah. Maybe the all-star game. People are saying he's a better framer um, based on half a season of data. Just enough time to cash this in. I'm saying you could probably do a lot worse negotiating a starting point with Bo Bichette and Alejandro Kirk in a deal. We'll see. That is, that's an off-season type move. That's a gutsy off-season type that move. That is an off-season type move. I do agree with that. That is true. Um, yeah. I guess, I guess you're up to number two. I, I'm guessing I'm going to count Springer there as my, as my number two. Do you have a second one? A, a fourth <sighs> thing to pick at your craw here? I do, but it's not really someone I'm mad at or worried about. Mostly because it's hard to say we didn't see it coming. But the Kikuchi of it all. Tough times. Is if if watching Barrios is agonizing, knowing what he is or was capable of. Right. Watching Kikuchi every five days is more of a what were we doing in the first place kind of thing for me. I will say, because uh, you and I like to go back and look at the old the teams of your Jake. This is uh, this is a classic Blue Jays team we grew up with. Do you not recognize it? Staring you in the face. Y- you know what? <laughs> I hadn't thought at, of it that way. Scroll down to the pitching and look at it. And no, like, I, I, yeah. <laughs> just like, oh damn, because you're, you're, you're a few years now, you're gonna look back and be like, what happened here? And you open it, and be like, oh, any other pitcher on earth, please. <laughs> it's tough when you have two when you have. 
40% of your starting rotation is like you are praying to get through the day without using your entire bullpen. It strains the other three guys. They cannot have down games. Manoa and Gosman cannot have down games right now. Starting to worry. We're going to go that direction of classic Blue Jays teams. Classic team. Starting to feel a little 2008. 2008 because 2016 was the was the was the pick recently. I also wonder as I navigate to that page, a sort of a stray thought from my brain. I also wonder how differently. It's hard not for me not to look at these old teams and wonder what would be different, just in terms of how they approach this season with with the wild card spaces that they have. Yes, now, absolutely. Right, just like how would they even like you probably navigate the seasons differently in the, ma- in the moves you made anyway. 2008, yes. Obvious, obviously, this team is better than the 2008 team. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, I'm not going to go on a whole thing about how David Eckstein is better than Bobichet. <laughs> those words are not going to leave my mouth. I'll say but this. <laughs> from a pitching from a pitching perspective. Bobichet and Joe Inglet's OPS Plus are the same. How's that hit you? <laughs> <laughs> but from to your point about the rotation, it is kind of two guys and some stuff. Yeah, for sure. And, and some valiant efforts. Uh, from some guys making small amounts of starts. Yeah. Great, great find. Um, yeah. Listen, Kikuchi, it's, it's tough. It's a tough scene. I think Kikuchi basically ultimately it becomes a becomes the Ross conversation, and we can sort of clean it up with with this. Um, the list of of money given out to pitchers. You want to go back to Ryu, four years, eighty million, a one year deal for Robbie Ray. Uh, one year, eight million. Love that. Love that's a that's a great deal right there. Um, remember, one year, three million for Clay Buckles. <laughs> I don't, but yeah, there's a that's a waste of a roster spot. One year, ten million for Jaime Garcia. You remember that one? I did not actually at all. Sort of sort of cherry picking here. Uh, yeah. Five years, one ten for Kevin Gosman. That's a good deal. That's a good deal. There's one big one. Three thirty six for Yusei Kikuchi. That's not a good one. Uh, Tanner Roark, of course. That's the one. Uh, that's that's a deal that, that you Tanner could Roark argue, did. in hindsight, genuinely cost the Blue Jays a playoff spot last year. Uh, it was the one year three point five for Matt Shoemaker. See, I like that one. I, I was he, I was a big believer, like I was a big believer in the cobbler, <laughs> and then like I was thirty wrong. innings. Two years twenty four was the Tanner Roark money. Not so bad. Uh, one year three million for Tyler Chatwood. One year five point five for Kirby Yates. Um, what three years, thirty six, of course, for Yusei Kikuchi, and seven years, one thirty one, for Jose Barrios. I can't believe they gave Kikuchi three years. Three years, thirty six. If you want to, if you want to harp on the wild, to be to be honest with you, yeah. If you want to harp on the money, I'm certainly not going to stop you. But looking at Kikuchi and committing to three years, that's crazy to me. It's wild, isn't it? Insane. Tough times. The vibes are bad. The vibes are bad. Yeah, Kikuchi's, a, Kikuchi's a, it's tough, man. It's tough. So, I'm going to end also, this. Also, little... we're being very, I'll say this, Toronto fans are being pretty tough on our pitchers as well. These guys give up anything at all. We're like, here we go. Like it's, Yeah. We, we've reached that point with those two guys. Fair or not fair. That's where we are with them. Absolutely true. Especially Kikuchi. Yeah, Bri- that's, Brios, he's not going to give up a single double at any point. I think Brio said a, it was last week where he gave up two in the first, and everyone's like, "Ugh!" And then he threw like six scoreless. Yeah. But then obviously it was terrible the other day. Um, anyway, 
the last thing I want to bring up before we move on to some other nightmare. (laughs) In hindsight of a little bit now, what does our podcast think about the firing of Charlie Montoya? (laughs) Did this team, in fact, need a different voice in the clubhouse? Or was the problem the clubhouse we made along the way? Yeah, listen, I think, uh, listen, the, the story they told us was that it doesn't really matter if Charlie Montoya was managing or not. That was, that's what they told us, basically. Yeah, I guess that's true. And I, and that has proven to be true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that has proven to be correct. Seems exactly, seems exactly the same to me. Listen, the problems persist. And I'll, I'll say this, because um, in the past, we have been accused of and guilty of, I think, being a little harsh on the front office fellas. Um, the timing of which was terrible, of course, because they made a huge move the next week. Immediately. Um, but, you know, Ross stood up and said that he is accountable at the firing of Charlie Montoya. He said that the accountability from here on out is on me. And uh, we have to keep our end of that and sort of keep them accountable and sort of say, what have they tried to do? I, you can no longer, I think, slag them for not trying. We're now at the point where it's like it's time to analyze the quality of the decisions they made. I agree. Um, and the window, as as much as as much as Vlad and Bo are very young and very good, uh, no argument here. You know, twenty three years old, twenty four years old. Uh, the pitching window, not the same story. Gosman thirty one, Rios twenty eight, and you have him for the next seven years. <laughs> Kikuchi thirty one, you have him for the next three years. Uh, Stripling's thirty two, Romano's. 29, Simber 31, Phelps 35, Jimmy Garcia 31. The pitching staff is not, um, oh, this wide open window. And you certainly can't name a more than one prospect that you are sort of like, here's the guy that's going to step in and fix all this. Ricky Tiedemann, who's, who just debuted double A, is 19 years old, is the only pitcher that anybody has any real conversation about. <laughs> the other ones. Like Zulueta is like maybe he'll move into the bullpen. There's nobody at, in Buffalo that anybody is like. You know, it's Thomas Hatch, Anthony K. We we're we're past that. We're praying we're not using those guys. Uh, the window is very much right now, um, and this is the time that those moves are going to be judged because this is the time that these moves are lined up for. You look at all the moves they made. You sort of the Ryu contract is the blueprint for the first for we'll call it phase one. I think ideally, obviously, they want to they want Relvis to be great and they want. Um, every prospect they just drafted to be very good and them all to come through and create a sustainable winner. That's obviously what they want. Um, but phase one, you have to get past phase one first, and that's what we're in right now. And uh, it's, it's, it's crunch time for this team. Yeah, and as we speak, they just lost another one. So they lost a, You told me they lost to Baltimore. Yeah, they, they did. 4-2. <laughs> oh, this... I will say this, and I know this is a question in the mailbag, so I'm sure we're going to get to this in more detail. But actually, no, I'll I'll save it for when we get to that mailbag question, and we'll talk about that because we're already going long. I got I got a lot out. I got a lot out. I feel good. I don't feel any better at all. I think it's important to put that out there, and now now be proven wrong on all of it, just like we did when we we called out Mark and Ross for not not spending. Now we say all your moves are bad. Now it's time for Barrios to be great and Springer to be healthy. It's five in a row to the Orioles, by the way. Christ almighty. Uh, okay. We're going to take a break and come back. Mm-hmm. 
All right, we're going right to the mailbag because that was 45 minutes of, well, 42 minutes. Anyway, it was 40 plus minutes of, of ranting with the Blue Jays there. Well, that's a lot of minutes. That's what happens when uh, it's shit. First one, when Vlad said this year was the trailer, or pardon me, last year was the trailer and this year was the movie, do you think he was preparing us for a Greek tragedy of epic <laughs> proportions? I will say. There's a lot of material from the game of the year that you can look at now and be like, here's a joke. Yeah, the the last year was the trailer. It's a good line. It's a I great don't care. line. They made t-shirts out of it. Whoa, Ross Atkins is trending. That's never good. Yeah, not surprised. Um, what movie What movie trailer does this sort of remind you of? I gotta say, I'm getting big Moonfall vibes from the Jays this year. What if the moon fell? What if the right? We spent the whole we spent the whole beginning of the year being like, well, the moon would never fall. So let's not even think about it. Let's not even Who, think about. Who's no the superstructurist? Even... I mean, like Steve Simmons is the superstructurist to Marty York, maybe. The, yeah, the whole time was like, no, they'll be bad. Like, there's no there's no point in wondering what would happen if the moon fell. Well, why would you waste your time? <laughs> Lo and behold, here we are in late August. Here we are. The moon is on a collision course with Earth. We need Patrick Wilson. Uh, here we go. Would you rather watch the Blue Jays or go to Tatis Barber? So, like, I get, I get evidently the Barber side. So that's what gave him the fungus, allegedly, I think. Tough times. Uh, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, fungal, fungal things can be... Uh, treated. Yeah, full, and listen, I'm not going to get suspended for doing steroids. No, exactly. No no one cares if I do steroids. If anything, it'll help me in my day-to-day life, I assume. Is my boss going to say, hey, you can't do steroids to work in the fucking emails? Come on. (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) Uh, I haven't gone to a a barber in quite some time. Three years, probably? Uh, Four years? Yeah, I guess that's probably true. I think I, had, I think I rushed to one in summer of 2019 at one point, but yeah, I haven't been to a barber in quite some time. So uh, I guess watch the Blue Jays, but um, might be nice to go to a barber and get my shit taken care of. Clean my shit up. Uh, Kelly Toomey, sitcom plot turned real. Your wife calls and says she's bringing her boss and his wife to your house <laughs> for dinner in one hour. You need to make a meal that will impress them. What are you making? In one hour? Ooh. An episode of Top Chef. It is a t- very Top Chef. Uh, making. I'm excited for your answer. I'll answer while you're thinking because I think you're going to have a good answer to this. Right? Yeah. You're probably going to have a good answer. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Kelly Toomey, I would buy fast food and disguise it as my own cooking. <laughs> there is quite simply, quite simply no way in an hour <laughs> I would be able to pull this together. It's just a reality. <laughs> order from a reliable nearby place I, I like that yours is fast food not even ordering like <laughs> well, I had to do the I had to do the of course. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. order I would order yeah I would, I would I would call my wife back or text my wife covertly give me any food you've seen them enjoy in their lives and then I would try to make sure that I ordered a good takeout and then they came to they came home and wanted an explanation I would say I cooked all this or whatever I, it's a sitcom so I have to lie right it's one of those that's things right. that's it's true. a sitcom yeah, yeah. plot so I can't a sitcom plot I cannot simply say here's an awkward much, thing I, much I'll of explain. sitcoms is just people lying 
it must no wonder there's been no good sitcoms basically since cell phones <laughs> were invented because how could right. you do it because you're just like oh you can just check that. just call and sort that out yeah just answer that like an adult <laughs> sort of the answer <laughs> to like everything that happens um so yeah i would have to i'd have to order i have to order like yeah i have to order like achievable takeout from somewhere uh i would and probably it. oh my god i'd have to plate it yeah you, but if it's like a burger that's not hard to plate I probably wouldn't. I'd probably get like a. I don't even know. God, I don't even know. Like, well, am I going to pretend that I can make Indian food? Like, Kitchener has some pretty good Indian food. I, 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 what am I going to pretend that I can make Indian food? That's, that's going to be pretty tough. It has to be. It has to be copyable. So I guess I would have to go to like a. Go get like fr- go to do like a fried chicken place or something. Yeah. Right. I'd have to go to a place that was local but wasn't a chain restaurant because it can't be a it can't be a Big Mac. You had to go to, you'd go to like a diner and say, oh, I made burgers for everybody. I made four burgers. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's tough. Uh, I would go uh, any kind of fattening pasta. Mm. Super easy and quick to make. And like you put enough cream and tasty things in there. It doesn't really matter what's in it or what it is. Yeah. What, what if they have a flour allergy? Egg allergy? <laughs> Flour, I'll just get uh, gluten-free pasta. Cover Very that good. shit in cream. Who cares? Very good. Yeah. My wife, uh, he's going to say, my wife has whatever, cream allergy. Well, there's ways to make delicious fattening pastas without cream. For sure. Uh, Aphis Curve, <laughs> tough question, Jake. Here it is. Cowards or frauds? Hard. No, you know what? I'm... Oh. I'm going to say... Frauds. Oh, that's tough. Because a, a coward implies that they are actually good. I think I think I lean cowards because it seems like seems like seems like people are folding up shop a little bit here. I think I think they're playing cowardly. Boy. Yeah. It's a, it, the question is really: Is the team objectively good or not? Right. I I maintain that they still. I not even that they still are, but like good. Yes. They're no worse. They're no worse than the other teams in the race. That's for sure. Yeah. I'll concede now that they're not as good as Houston. Yeah, but you're right. They're, the rest of the team. But I I don't know if the other teams are also bad is a good argument in their favor. Right. I understand. I feel like they have less flaws, but maybe their and flaws like, gra- are and granted, just, right, I am, just the right places. I am granted especially down on them at this moment in time. Tough I reserve to right to I reserve the right to so you, lock this saying, back. You're saying frauds. No, that's fair. Um, I don't know where else to put this, but I just want to point out uh, a heads up to everybody. Uh, a take that is it's kind of into the cowards area, I guess. Uh, a take that is going to appear soon if it is not already uh and i just want everyone to prepare for it is that they have too much fun (laughs) i love that one they don't take Uh, it seriously they have too much fun and they're giving the jacket to guys when they homer when they're still down that's can i do can i do uh that is ridiculous but yes um it almost feels like you can't say like i i have something that i think that I think truly in my heart. I, I have a true thought in my heart that I feel. And I feel like if I shared it, people would be like, oh, you hate fun, and you're one of the old dinosaurs we want out of the game. Are you ready for that take? 
Yeah. The, the Gatorade shower after every single game, really? <laughs> yeah, it's not great. So, so if they beat Baltimore tomorrow, they go one and six against the O's. We're gonna we're gonna Gator, we're gonna Gatorade shower Lewis Gurriel for that. <laughs> that's Gatorade shower. That's what that's what. That's wild. That's what you know. I game one hundred and fifteen. I love against, it. We're I, I, game oh, one hundred fifteen against the Royals. You beat you beat the Royals. Game one hundred fifteen. Gatorade shower. If a guy hits four home runs, or if a pitcher is an unbelievable guy has an unbelievable game, sure. Every game, wild to me. It's supposed to be like a surprise. Guys aren't even surprised. It's supposed to be like a surprise, no? Like you dump it on their back and they're surprised? Is that We're not the whole... spiraling. Is that not the whole thing? That it's a surprise? <laughs> when we're into the Gatorade shower takes... Am I wrong here? I guess no, I you're not. I guess but I'm wrong. You're not wrong, but... It just seems silly to me. It just seems looking silly. At it actually, for a wider, looking at it for a wider lens that we're discussing this at all is not yeah. a good indictment. I felt that of, way when they were rolling too, though. It's like, I, I don't... I don't feel like every win is a Gatorade shower win. There are Gatorade like, shower wins. I like it. I love guys, it. No, no, no. I love it. Say your piece. You know, guys, first time getting interviewed, Gatorade shower, 100%. Each guy's it. first time of the year getting interviewed, Gatorade shower. Guy, guy, guy breaks out of a big slump and then becomes the hero of the game, Gatorade shower. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. The, you know, taking care of business against the Royals in August doesn't really need a Gatorade shower. Tomorrow's game sh should not be a Gatorade shower game unless they win in dramatic fashion. <laughs> anyway, this is, this is, you know, it just, it just makes you laugh because because you you hate fun and you're like a pariah if that's how you feel about that I guess. <laughs> I no, want them to have fun. I want them to enjoy themselves. It just to me is silly to do a Gatorade shower every single game. I don't disagree. I just think it's not good that that's what we're focusing on these yeah, days. It's it's fine that they do it with it. They want they can do whatever they want. They're pro athletes. Uh, David Jansen, what are your what are some of your favorite Ontario road trips? Well, I obviously don't know where anything is. But I do right. enjoy a road trip. Um, I really like the drive uh, out to, oh, God, where is that? Lion's Head, I think it is. Out Look in, at you uh, up in Georgian Bay. Georgian Bay, that's the one. Yeah, that's a really nice drive. Um, I'm a big fan of the drive to St. Thomas. What? Uh, I used to do it as a kid. It's nostalgic. I used to do it as a kid. Oh. 401 West. <laughs> yeah, it's an nostalgic drive. Through, go through Bowmanville and hit up St. Thomas, you know. <laughs> well, I certainly live in St. Thomas. I, I, don't, I don't especially consider it picturesque. But yeah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it picturesque either. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I will say, underratedly, and admittedly it's just a highway, but when you're on the way to Kingston and you see the water, is a very, I guess it's yeah, around Port Hope, maybe? Get that PEC and you get some, get some pits every yeah. time. Yeah, PEC, also a great drive. Big fan uh, of PEC. Yeah, so Lion's had a great pick. I think Algonquin Park is a beautiful place to drive into. Never been, but I imagine it's quite nice. You sort of get an idea because Ontario is such this deceiving province, right? We have this, we have, we Southern Ontario folks have this idea of what Ontario is. And then mm. you get to Algonquin Park and like, oh shit, trees. Then you realize, like, Northern Ontario is just, like, trees fucking forever. <laughs> yes, I think that's true. It's trees and trees and trees. Insane amounts of trees. Uh, Gokwam Park's a beautiful commute. And, uh, I mean, listen, the Georgian Bay trip is always nostalgic for me. Driving there is not especially scenic. Uh, mm. It's driving through small towns that I know of. 
Um, I like the, I don't mind, I don't tell you, I don't hate the road trip to Ottawa. Or like the, yeah, the, the, you like know the we're driving to Montreal energy. Uh, see, I see, I hate road trips. Montreal Drive. Talking about drives are just a highway and nothing. Yeah. Drive to Montreal is uh, not I always had... Ottawa was always it's weird to have positive thoughts towards Ottawa I think it's a tourist destination I, but I, I always had not. I don't mind I always Ottawa. have tons of fun in Ottawa when I go I always I go too. and people people like I guess I'm just lucky that I've had uh, friends that either live there or friends that um, are like know of my Twitter account and like want to make sure that I have a good time it seems like every <laughs> time I go to Ottawa someone like goes out of the way to make sure I have fun yeah I have um, no I have no issue with uh, Ottawa at all I did I did well at uh, Absolute Ottawa, one of the, probably, maybe the easiest amateur room in the entire country. I think. <laughs> uh, Absolute Ottawa. If you ever want to go and feel good about making an amateur comic feel good, you go to Absolute Ottawa. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, Ottawa might be my might be a pick there. The Zinky pick, the Valley. And finally, Jake, I'm saving this for you because I think this is what you were talking about. Andrew B. Scanlon asks that the Jays don't make the playoffs. Ross has to lose his job, right? Yes. Wow. I am on that. I am not going to sit here and say Ross needs to go today. If the Blue Jays do not make the playoffs here this year, after everything, we are now in year six of the Shapiro Atkins regime, I believe. That's a lot with. The only playoff appearance in six years being the COVID year. GMs have lost their job for less. Interesting. Unquestionably an, unquestionably an improvement. Unquestionably an improvement from, from the second year. Obviously, 2016, they were handed a, the keys to a division winner. Uh, interesting. I don't if know. The, if the plan we were told I guess the you're entire right. time... If they don't make the playoffs, it means they win, like, 85 games. That doesn't seem... We were told the entire time that the plan was to develop and to... Once the young core was developed, they would go out and spend, and they did all that. Credit to them. As you pointed out earlier. As you... Oh, I dropped my wedding ring. As you correctly pointed out earlier, they did all the things that we were criticizing them for. Then they took the jump last year. They missed the playoffs this year. By, you know, other than last day of the season type scenario, like last year. But with the extra spot, that means they went backwards from last year. The whole thing was each year would be an incremental step forward. If one of those years in that plan becomes going backwards, the plan has failed. I think it's an interesting conversation because um, because I don't think that it means that Shapiro would lose his job. And I also don't think he should. Because you got to say the direction of the team, you remove just the roster. Like the direction of the team, everything seems great. I don't think Shapiro has well. a lot. I, like the, exa- the I don't think Shapiro has a lot along. to do with the day-to-day product on the field. Right. And, you know, you fired your manager halfway through the year. By his own admission, he said the responsibility is on him now. You've already fired the manager. Short of just not hiring John Schneider. 
I don't know. Yeah, I, I think they might. I think they would let him. I think they're gonna. They would let him pick a manager for next year. That's my. Only, that's my only thing. Is I would. Is the only more. Only. I'm trying to think of like what ropes do they have left, right? What. What levers can they pull? And you could, you could say they didn't hire a manager, and Ross gets a chance with a manager of his picking that next year. That's pretty. Uh, with the back absolutely against the wall, right? One more, one yeah. last year of Chapman, another year older with uh, with Springer. Uh, I think it's I think it's the last Arb year for Teoscar. I think you're at the end of the year for Lourdes. I think you're sort of looking at like this is the core's last ride. So I think I think barring. But man, if they don't make the playoffs this year, like that's trouble. Um, yeah. I think he keeps it unless they end up like five hundred. Great question. Wow. I, right you, point. I, th- I do think he'll keep the job if they miss the playoffs. I don't really think they sh- he should. Let's hope we don't have to worry about it. Uh, let's come back. We're going to quickly wrap this motherfucker up. Until next week. Okie dokie, Jake. Boy, you would you would you would forget. You'd be you'd be easy to forget. It would be you would be easy to forget. It would be easy to forget that we could go such levity in the air. We were talking about birthday gifts. That's right. Reverse mailbag was your favorite birthday gift. Jake, what was your favorite birthday gift? Uh, mine was actually from my, my wife and I don't do birthday gifts. We when we first met uh, two weeks after. Our first date was Cassie's birthday, and so I was like, "Do I get you anything?" Like we, and so it led, in, it led into a conversation where we decided we don't do gifts, but we take each other out for a nice dinner every right. year on our birthdays, which is very nice. And I prefer because I hate giving gifts; I it gives me real anxiety. Um, but a couple years ago, she surprised me with a gift uh, of a nice set of good kitchen knives. Oh. Yes. And I had been complaining about our knives for four years. And she surprised me on my birthday with a butcher block of good kitchen knives. And not only was it extremely nice to be surprised with a gift, but use them basically every day. Yes. Hard to, love a practical gift. Awesome. A thing I've learned as I get older is that practical gifts are better than not. Yeah. Well, especially when you're in a long-term relationship like that, right. um, when you've identified a need from your partners, and done it, and, and made the made the thing yourself, you went went out of your way to to fix a problem you didn't. Maybe the other partner didn't even know they were having. Uh, Andrew Robertson, first mailbag. A few years ago, my wife got me a fancy pair of headphones for my birthday, which is already a great gift. But made it my favorite one was getting her one of my favorite Simpsons references inscribed on the side in the photo of it. Thrill Ho uh, inscribed on the side of what looks like a fancy little head, headphones case. Very nice. Ooh. Uh, we had another one. Had another one in here. Uh, another case. Uh, James Nielsen in the in the question part portion left his answer. Uh, fair birthday present. Each year I got to pick one video game at Toys R Us. Oh, baby. Oh, that's a good one. I have a vivid memory of picking NBA Live 95 when I turned 10. I did love the, the Toys R Us uh, video game section as a kid was always a joy. Christmas was 
was a video game. I get a video game at Christmas. Was sort of my um, excellent. Uh, my favorite birthday gift, uh, similar to yours, and I think similar to uh, Andrew Robertson's, is it's a wife gift, and a wife gift that I did not ask for. Classic didn't know I needed it until she gave me it, and immediately the quality of my life increased so much that I was like overcome with emotion of how thoughtful it was. A simple pale, a simple pale, a simple pair of polarized sunglasses, or pardon me, uh, prescription sunglasses. I had I had been squinting in the dark my whole life, or like trying to fit uh, shitty sunglasses over my glasses and looking like an idiot. Simple sunglasses. I wear them every single day. And immediately wore them when I put them to me. And I was like, yeah, this is an enormous quality of life increase. I love that. She's just smart. She's just smart. Our wives are much smarter than us, is the thing. Uh, great stuff. Um, excellent. I uh, guess it's my turn, isn't it? It is. Jake, I'm a simple man. I like technology. Uh, I inherited, well, I inherited, yeah, inherited from my father a bunch of, of old technology. Um, he's sort of a, 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 a old man uh, collector, tinkerer sort of kind of guy. Like he had a lot of, I tweeted some of his sports books. He has a ton of, he had a ton of DVDs and CDs and music. And uh, I even, I have his sound system. So I have like a, Stereo receiver, um, you know, three foot high speakers. What are you gonna do with that? Uh, I have an equalizer as well. I've hooked up the in my basement here underneath me. I've hooked up the speakers and the stereo receiver to my basement television and to my computer, so I can play mm. my. Yeah, I have no. I literally have no use for it because, like, when I'm down here, I'm quiet. I have headphones on usually, but <laughs> right. if I wanted to, I could listen to music loudly down here. One day, hopefully, if we do the basement up, I could listen. I could. Feasibly, the TV could be on the big speakers. Um, but it's it's become a sentimental piece of technology for me. I, I'm, right, I'm, of course. I'm fiddling around with it. I bought you know new cords um, to get some of the stuff to work. I had to like I had to buy a digital audio out to RCA adapter for the back of my TV. Um, but it's quickly becoming a little uh, sentimental piece of technology. So I will ask you folks in the reverse mailbag this week uh what's your favorite piece of technology that you have Ooh, that's a great question it can be something it looks like it can be your phone i don't care you love your yeah. phone i love my phone i look at this thing i look at this thing more than i look at any person pretty in my life. much constantly um that's where all my tweets are on my phone um if maybe it's your phone maybe it's maybe it's sentimental maybe it's a game boy you had way back in the day maybe it's something uh tamagotchi i don't know a, a gaming mouse i have no idea uh whatever it may be you let us know you can call us uh on the phone line 833-714-7774 you can tweet at us at less than jays or less than jays at gmail.com oh one more, i have one more reverse mailbag timmy chandler says uh best gift i ever got when best friend gave me a hawaiian shirt when I put it on, there were three joints in the chest pocket. Hell yeah, Timmy. That fucking rocks. <laughs> that fucking rocks. Good birthday gift. Love surprise, surprise drugs. Surprise triple drugs. Uh, that is where you get that. And uh, there is a voicemail. How about this? 
There's a voicemail, but the person called back and said, I just left a terrible voicemail. Perfect. So I'm going to play the first voicemail to play us off the show. That's it. Thank you all so much for being a part of Less Than Jays. Hey, Jake and Zoobs. Um, I don't have a hot take or a question, but I thought this would be a good way of wishing frequent podcast question submitter Paul Adam. Huge congratulations on his new baby girl. Uh, he now joins the Double Dad Club, um, and I'm sure he's having lots of late nights where he's going to need some awesome Less Than Jay's content. So um want to share that with everybody. I don't know how to end voicemails, so I'm going to stop talking now. Hey, guys. Calling back. I just left a terrible voicemail. It's Avi from Toronto. Anyway, congrats to Paul Adam. Got to go. Even better. Perfect. 